You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy and Triple Whale. I'm your host, Val Geisler. All right, we're back with another episode of E-Commerce Marketing School. Uh, and today's guest professor is Dara Denny. Dara, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Um, it is an honor. And I'm so glad that we finally get to meet one-on-one. Um, <laughs> I actually remember joining one of your... Um, oh, God, what was it? It was like almost seven years ago, one of your like email marketing like workshops that you did. And I was like, oh my gosh, Val, like it was so long ago. I remember signing up for it and it was so cool. So it's like a really full experience for me to like also be sitting here with you today and like finally get to jam with you. It's super cool. <laughs> I love that. And I was actually looking back through our DMs when we were chatting about this episode and I noticed that, that I was like, yeah. oh wow, we've been talking for a long time and I'm glad we get to talk about what you do best because one of our other Kristen Jones was uh, who is a, a UGC expert. She schooled us all on UGC and like how to work with creators. And I think she jammed a three day workshop into about 15, 20 minutes of podcast. And she just said, you have to bring Dara on the show because there are so many things that brands are getting wrong with ads and just like wasting money. Um, and it's, uh, you know, we don't want people to do that. We don't, yeah. we want <laughs> yeah. you to spend your money wisely. And I mean, we're recording this in August and from here on out, ads only get more expensive. Yeah. Black Friday, Cyber Monday season has begun. <laughs> yes. And the giant brands are buying up all the ad space, which makes it one more expensive and two harder to get people's attention. So I felt like we could talk about like, here's all the must do's and like, three ways you can make your ads stand out. But I, I love the kind of like, inverse approach of let's talk about what people are doing that they should not do without naming names. We're not going to yes. name and shame anybody. But like, what are people getting wrong so that they can self identify like, oh, don't do that anymore? Yeah, yeah. So I'd say that nearly all mistakes that people make is stems from not doing proper research on your customer, on your user, and also on the platform that you're actually advertising on. So whether or not it's going to be meta, so Facebook and Instagram or TikTok, I find that a lot of times what brands will do is they will take a format first approach, right? They'll do a little bit of research on Twitter, on YouTube, on TikTok, and they'll be like, oh, I have to run an us versus them ad or, oh, UGC is like a hot new thing. I need to like work with a creator that I find on a third party marketplace. There's a ton of those. And they're really unsatisfied with the results, but they feel like they're doing the right thing, right? Because they know of all these different creative formats. And really like the thing that makes these formats really work is the messaging and being able to speak in your customer's language and being able to, you know, really dive in, mine your customers' reviews and essentially have their sentiments being reflected back at them and their problems and what they're actually trying to solve. So something that I was really passionate about when I was working agency side was 
we had a really in-depth process for creative strategy research so that we could really get to know our customers and our users so that we could hone in on messaging that actually spoke to them. Okay, you are speaking my language. This is like (laughs) a passion of mine, speaking our customers' language, using their words, reflecting it back at them. And you said reviews is like, you just kind of blew through that part, but I think it's key because we're all gathering reviews. And Zoe just came and talked to us about reviews and what to do with them and and how to get them. And Chomps luckily has this problem of people asking, how do I leave a review for you? Which is amazing. Um, But is that the first place to start? Like, is that kind of a low hanging fruit in terms of uh, getting your customer, like the voice of the customer? Yeah. I mean, number one, getting a, a database or like at least an entire, like just like having a ton of reviews or like place where people can lead reviews is really the number one spot. And really what I like to identify when I am going through these reviews are number one, like what was the trigger that got someone to actually search for your product and be interested? Like what was kind of their final straw with their problem? And then of course, zoning in on those actual pain points and those problems and being able to identify, okay, what is it actually about this problem or where this person is at in their life that made them need a product like mine? So you want to really understand that before state, right? And the other thing that I want to look for too is just their actual benefits and testimonials as it relates to your product and like what their transformation is. So that transformation too is really key. But I think the true secret sauce of finding customer testimonials and mining those is finding those golden nugget reviews, which is something that I like actually learned from Kate Bohr, which are those ultra special, ultra like impactful snippets that your customers say about their transformation from using your brand. Or sometimes it can even be about the pain point, but something it's kind of like the way that I describe it when I'm teaching people about it too, is like you don't, it can be many things, but you kind of know it when you see it because it just kind of sticks out. I think some brands that do this really well are Nude, for instance. Like they really mine their customer reviews really well. And like they put things out on their advertising. And it's like they're not doing tons of UGC. They're doing lots of image-based graphics. But the messaging on those graphics are chef's kiss because they're pulling them right from the ad comments and they stick out. Of course, they're leaning a little bit into the taboo, which helps them a lot. But it's something that like, you know, really does help capture users' attention while they're trying to look at family photos, trying to look at what their friends are doing, trying to look at what their boyfriends are doing, or, you know, whatever. Like, people aren't on paid social to look at ads except for people like us because, you know, we're we're ad nerds and we like that stuff. It's like, it really is a social platform. And like, when you can kind of break people out of their scroll and their flow, like, and speak to them directly, like, that's kind of the, the, the secret sauce of um, getting their attention and also, like, ultimately getting them to convert. Is it true that people like non-marketers, um, as Kristen LaFrance <laughs> likes to say, muggles, uh, yeah. is it true that non-marketers uh, don't like ads? Um, like we don't like I don't to be believe sold to? Th- I don't believe that. I think people like content. And if your ads can actually just be good content, then there isn't as much friction. I think people don't like the idea of advertising. They don't like the idea. 
idea of consumerism and capitalism. But when I actually talk with my friends and when I actually like talk with non-marketers, I realize that actually, hey, like I don't think that marketing and advertising really provides this much friction as we think it does. Like it is kind of an onslaught because we're so used to ignoring what things that don't speak to us. So I think in many ways too, it's like we're really good at being like, okay, if it doesn't apply to me, like it's kind of no mind to me and like I'm able to move on. But I think when advertising gets trickier when people don't like it is when it doesn't actually apply to them and it but and it disrupts them in that way or they're like why am i getting all these ads or it's, or if it's too much especially on social platforms but again if you can actually just make good content then i think that that is something where you know i don't think people i think people actually enjoy it yeah, I I hear from friends and family like the phrase like oh so and so brand I uh finally broke me down. Like they got in my front of my face enough times. I heard from enough influencers. I you know, I heard enough angles on the product. I finally bought the coat or you know whatever it was. So like I I do hear that kind of language of like people feel like okay, you got me. But the you got me is always based in like I learned enough. I felt like I trusted enough and that you know it's like a relationship over time. They there's very few people who are like, yeah, I bought that the second I saw it, you know. Yeah, and I think that was something that we saw with like AG1 or Athletic Greens like about a year ago. They like went on a huge whitelisting push and I feel like every time I opened up my phone, it was Athletic Greens, Athletic Greens, Athletic Greens and I was like, "Holy crap. Do I need that?" <laughs> yeah. Like even though I saw it all the time and I was like as an advertiser, I was like, "Man, like this is an intense budget." But then I was like, "But do I need that? I kind of care about health and stuff." <laughs> Right. And they get you at different angles, right? Like, so they, if they're showing you, you know, running videos and you aren't a runner, you might not resonate with it. But that's why they're then going to show you somebody in their kitchen with like a bunch of uh, food around them. And, you know, there's like all different kinds of angles that you can take. So from that point of view, you know, it, when we're thinking about like frequency and consistent, like consistently showing up in front of your potential audience, um, where do brands go wrong in that regard? Well, number one, I think that they're not testing as many formats as they should be testing. That That's number one. That's often where I like to start. Like, even though I had said at the beginning of this, like, don't just start with the format. Do your customer research. Get the messaging nuggets that you need. Do that. And then the next thing. <laughs> I do think it is important, though, to go through and cycle through the tried and, t- and tested formats um, that you can use on paid social. Because there was a recently an interesting um, statistic I heard from Meta that the new hook rate is more like 1.5 seconds. So someone is going to take about one second to decide whether or not they're actually going to watch your ad. So the way that your ad physically shows up on that first second can have a huge, um, can be a huge variable in actually getting someone to stay. So that's why I'm like, okay, yes, like you have to try the us versus them. You have to try the, the different UGC formats of before and after TikTok response bubble, use a split screen, try like all these different tactics that we we know convert to see, okay, 
which one of these is doing the best job at getting that initial hook and ultimately converting as well. Um, so that's often like where I like to start with people. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say the understanding of the customer is a really crucial piece to that because if there's a format that is not going to resonate with your audience, you know, that's like th- a while ago, there was a format I saw a lot that was like, hey, stop your scroll. Like, p- like a very commanding moment and like right in the camera, very in your face, even like a pointing. And there is definitely an audience that that will be like, nope moving on, I am not going to do what you are like demanding of me. So that's where like that first piece, like step zero, knowing, yeah, understanding your the words of your customers, knowing who they are, the way that they interact with your brand, why they came to you. That's kind of the first step. And then figuring out the formats that like you can eliminate, but also knowing you want to have more than one. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I saw the this play out really interestingly w- recently with a brand. Um, I actually was in London doing a YouTube video collab with my friend Alex from AdCrate. And what we did, we went out into the streets of London and we showed people two ads and we asked them which one they liked best. We realized that we couldn't ask the general public which one they thought performed best because that was like a little too abstract for people that weren't marketers. So we, we, we doubled down on, okay, what ad do you like best? And what we ended up doing, we showed people two ads from this brand called Oppo Pop, which is like a popcorn brand. And it was the exact same image of a hand going into a popcorn bowl. One of the ads said, oh, this popcorn is so delicious. But like the expletive was just like F, star, 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 star. Okay. The other ad said, you're going to be addicted to it. And what was really, really fascinating about this is when we pulled people off the street and we were like, which one do you like the best? Nearly everyone said, oh, we like the one where it mentions popcorn. So this popcorn is so effing delicious, right? And we thought that was really interesting. And that made me think, oh, I think this is the one that performed best because what we the feedback we were getting from people on the street was, oh, I didn't know it was popcorn immediately because the bowl was too big. The hand was going in there and I couldn't tell what it was. But we ended up finding out that the other one did best. You're going to be addicted to it because for Oppo Pop, their target audience is more like 45 plus. These are family people. So the fact that we were using like a curse word in the other ad actually turned people off. And this is like the idea too about like, okay, like the other one I think was better. You leaned a little bit more into taboo advertising. You're definitely getting that attention more, but it was the wrong kind of attention. And the other one was actually a lot more um, better able to speak to that target demographic of family people, of people that want to like be able to enjoy this with their kids and with, with other parts of their family. So like that's why going down the rabbit hole of like figuring out the messaging that's so that's right for your customer is so important. I saw a, a kids vitamin company recently and they had like a it was the um the note app on your phone and it said talk to pediatrician about and then had like a couple of line items of like things their kid was doing you know it's like a note your parent might actually put in their phone about the things they want to make sure they talk to their pediatrician about well guess what the vitamin helps with all these things and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so <laughs> Things like that, though, but like you wouldn't know what those things are. That that's, that's something that a parent is like writing a note to their pediatrician about, unless you either are a parent or are able to go and like learn that from from people and that re- relationship with like it's not just we're not just selling vitamins because they're 
yes, you want your kids to like them and be yummy and all those things. But what are the the person buying? It's like the trigger for them is like, oh, I have that same note in my phone, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been seeing a lot of those notes app um, ads coming out recently. I've tested a few mixed results, I'd say. But I think that it it has done really well. I've seen when paired with brands that need a little bit more explanation or like, of course, paired with like some kind of offer or like discount. But I've seen this test running across all industries recently. So like B2B SaaS, I've seen it for beauty. I've seen it for apparel. And I think too, it's like more of the B2B stuff and like educational stuff. So like this notes app you're talking about, I, I could see that like why that's potentially working for them. Yeah. Let me ask you one more thing about, um, you know, where things might go haywire for brands or something to think about in terms of so you you mentioned having an offer, I would love to know kind of, is that a must have? Um, there are lots of brands who don't want to have an offer. And and kind of to go along with that, like a little package question is like, do we need an offer? And do we always have to point straight to the PDP? And is that like the right way to go? Yeah. So I'd say, do you always need an offer? No, uh, certainly not like a discounted offer. I think that a lot of times people equate like offers with discounts or offers with, you know, some sort of monetary, like, like monetary, like additive for the, the customer when really like the offer is like the entire package of what your product or service is supposed to provide. Right. So it's like really digging into those like benefits and those features. And like that is really what I see the true offer is. So like you do have to dial in on like the transformation and better life realized. I think like that is a bare minimum. But as far as sending things like to a PDP, honestly, I see a lot more traction out of more qualifying your your potential users and sending them to a landing page. I've worked with lots of brands on um, different types of landers. And the ones that I see convert again and again are things like quizzes, which is also a really great way to get additional information um, from, from your customers or from your potential users. Listicle style landing pages. And then, of course, like more of the traditional overview, um, advertorial style landing pages. I found it hard more recently, too, for info products and for just any kind of brand that needs a little bit of explanation, like even like CPG brands. I would always test a landing page first, um, apart from the PDP. Like that has to, I think that's just as crucial as testing your ad creative. You also need to test the land or where they're going. It's interesting. I think a lot of um, brands that are kind of either solo owner operators just getting started really try to just like, hey, I'm going to spend these dollars. I want to make sure it gets a purchase. And making sure it gets a purchase doesn't necessarily mean straight to PDP. And in fact, you can nurture the relationship if you think like, let's make sure we capture them somehow. And that might be purchase, but it might be um, to your point, like Joanne Coffee talked to us uh, earlier in the season about that's exactly how they built their email list and have converted a lot of that email list now is through pointing to a quiz. And that's something that they have really seen great results from. And again, not for everyone, but like to your point today is like you have to test things and kind of just turning on ads and letting them run and calling it a day and moving on to the next thing. Well, we all have 87,000 things to do. Um, it's not necessarily the best use of your time or money on ad platforms. 
Yeah. And I, it's interesting. I'm actually going through this right now with my personal business. Like I recently launched an online course. Like I'm no longer at the agency. Um, I'm doing like consulting stuff now, but I, I launched a course and I'm going through this process of, okay, I think I'm going to try running ads for it and like setting up like an actual lander for it. Like right now it's just like a, like a teachable, essentially like a PDP. Like it's not amazing, but I'm making a landing page for it and I'm trying to figure out like my sales funnel. Um, because like for B2B and for info prize is just so different. And I've been so long in CPG, like D to C land that the game is just totally different when you're doing something that is like more info product based and has that longer lead time. Like my course isn't cheap, so it's not going to be an impulse purchase. And I even just think about my entire career on YouTube and, you know, the fact that I've never asked my audience of anything like yet today on the three years I've been on the platform. And it's like, I've been building up the email list for the last few months. It's not huge, but it did well. But, you know, how like all of my co- my content empire, I guess to say, is like sort of like going into sales and the flow and like how all the pieces of it like mix together. It's it's just so far. It's like I just like really encourage brands to s- take a step back to from like just thinking ad to lander to like people buying the product. It's really a lot more about everything that you do and all the content and like the 360 approach that like I encourage people to think about. Yeah, it's the like overarching customer's experience of the brand. Your ads might be the very first experience they have with you. And so making it a good one where they don't feel like, oh, I'm just being sold to you just want my money. Um, You know, really building the relationship is key. And to your point, the higher price the item is, the more important that is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you sharing everything with us today. Uh, I run into this every episode. We could talk a lot longer. Um, We have 20 minutes on this show. So where can people learn more from you? Learn more about that course. uh, Follow up with you. Say hi. Say thank you for all the information you shared today. Yes. Um, just, you know, follow me and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Dara Denny, um, over at YouTube. I launch one video. Well, I produce one video every single week and I'm, you know, a full-time creator now. So I'm looking to like do that a lot more over the next few months. And yeah, I mean, a lot of things are going to change for me. So I would love to have more people along for the ride. Yeah. Love it. Um, Everyone go subscribe to Dara's channel. I'm just really grateful that you were able to be our guest professor today. And I will talk to you again very soon. Awesome. Thanks, Val. All right, class, make sure you're subscribed to e-commerce marketing school and huge favor. If you hear an episode you love, please take two minutes to leave a review. With Privy, anyone can be a marketer. Simple, intuitive email and SMS marketing that drives real results without the complexity. And before I go, a special shout out to Triple Whale. E-commerce marketing school is now part of the Triple Whale podcast network. Triple Whale helps you easily manage and automate analytics, attribution, merchandising, forecasting, and more in the palm of your hand. Check them out by scheduling a demo today.